From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. And, um, you know, last week we were talking um, fibroids and all of that when it comes to uh, women's ovarian health and when it comes to their uterus. And I'm going to continue uh, this, conversa- this conversation, excuse me, because it is so important that women who are experiencing these type of painful situations when it comes to their periods or menstrual cramping or um, sexual activity, that um, you have a better understanding with what's going on and with these fibroids. And um, I have on the phone uh, one of the experts. She actually has uh, an an expert panel forum coming up raising awareness about PCOS, endometriosis, and fibroids. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back. Well, she was on the show when it was known as Access Houston. Um, Good friend of mine, Miss Brandy Neal. Brandy, how are you, darling? I am doing so good. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. excited um you know that more people are talking about this issue or yeah. these issues that surround women's health yeah i mean it, it's really it's really really important uh because there's a lot going on and and last month july was fibroids uh awareness month and um you have got taboo talk that is coming up and i and i was just thinking i was like wow it was kind of around this time when you were uh on wait two years ago uh, right. When I had you and Keisha, Keisha Nicole, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. on talking about you all's experience. And, of course, you were talking about Taboo Talk and um, your partnership with uh, the White Dress Project. So a um, couple of things. I'm going to just let it rip for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but tell us about the White Dress Project and, and, and what that is. The White Dress Project is a nonprofit organization, and um, our basic overall goal is just to help women. Like, um, we help women just to know that they are not alone. That's first and foremost. Um, We help by getting involved in research projects. We help by, um, yesterday we had an advocacy day where we had over 30 women call and um, set up meetings with members of Congress and just to make sure that we are getting bills passed that help women um, overall. You know, there's a lot of things that go on, like, behind the scenes, just, you know, more than just going visit your doctor. When you're going through these types of things, you really need, like, a a sisterhood of people, and that is what the White Dress Project provides. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we don't even want to get there going as to what goes on in in the back. (laughs) <laughs> okay, right. when it when it comes to that, because you know these doctors, you know when it came out that um, medical doctors, especially when it came to uh, pregnant women of melanin dominant mm-hmm. women, um, that they gave them less pain medication because you know of this ideology, this um, this theory that we melanin dominant people can take pain more. more pain. Right, right. And it's it's just because endometriosis, 
if you look at the studies, that is like one of the most painful diagnoses because it's like it's consistent and, you know, and it can't be diagnosed unless you have a surgery. So for that, like there have been so many women that have gone eight plus years without even having a diagnosis because of the fact that people either are not taking women's pain seriously or they are just like, oh, well, you know, you can take it. Oh, well, you know, black women are just known to have heavier cycles. Like it's just really um, the more that I've learned and um, heard from different women and what they've had to go through, it's very disheartening. And luckily, the White Dress Project also provides, we have an advisory board of doctors. And so you can also go to our website and you can look up doctors that we personally worked with um, to see if they're in your area, because it is very disheartening when women come to us and have been suffering so long because they haven't been able to get answers from the doctors they're seeing. Wow. Hey, Brand, it's Larry. Uh, do you mind sharing your personal experience with PCOS? No, I don't at all. I was, um, back in 2006 is when I was first diagnosed with PCOS. Um, it was actually, I was working at a company, Drillquip, and we had a nurse on staff there. And she just like, one day she pulled me into the office. I'm sure she had heard me complain about pain and bloating and other things. And she said, hey, I want you to go and see my doctor, Dr. Moore, because I think you have the same thing my daughter has, which is PCOS. So at the time, I didn't know very much about it, but I went to the doctor. I got, um, I got all these labs results. Uh, I mean, I got all these lab tests run, which I had never had run before. Um, they did a vaginal ultrasound. Like they really made me feel like I was at the doctor. I spent about an hour there. And then once he got the results back, he called me and he was like, hey, you know, you do have PCOS. We're going to start you on metformin, which metformin is actually typically given to people that have diabetes. And um, that's because the form, because it's four types of PCOS. And the PCOS I have is insulin resistant, and which also um, contributes to about 40% of women that have diabetes that are in ch- childbearing age is because of, you know, can be gone back to untreated PCOS. So it was just in that, um, so that happened, and that was in 2006. And then fast forward to 2015, I was having like a lot of like, what I thought was gastro pain and gastro issues. And I went to the doctor, they did an ultrasound and the um, ultrasound tech was like, Oh my gosh. She was like, I see like loose floating blood. I can't find your ovary. We need you to go to see an OBGYN ASAP. And so I went back to my doctor and they have been treating me since 2006 for PCOS. So I just figured if it was another issue, they would have found it. But my doctor then, she was like, oh, um, I do see you have two fibroids here. And from what you're telling me now, the pain you're going through, you might have endometriosis, but we'll need to schedule you for a surgery um, to make sure that's all that's going on. And luckily, I had insurance and I had the ability to have the surgery four months later. But then that was in 2016. And then I ended up having to have another surgery in 2019 because the other bad thing about fibroids and endometriosis is that they grow back. And if you are likely in childbearing years and you have them, and especially if you have a lot of them, most of the times they will grow back and you will have to have another surgery. So that's why I think it's just so important or that I feel like I should share my story just to let women know, like, 
if you need other options, you know, if you if somebody's telling you, you know, this is your only option, that there's so many different options out there. I actually had my doctor go and learn a new way to remove fibroids because I didn't want to have another myomectomy. So I just go ahead. Brandy, I'm sorry um, for, for the for the literally millions of women who are listening to the podcast <laughs> right now and through your research. Have you or anyone found what brings this on? What causes this? That is the number one question, which now um, I believe we got a little more money to figure that out is they still do not know what causes fibroids. Oh, yes. And I know there was a rumor (laughs) circulating that it was from like it was more prevalent in black women because of um, when black women perm their hair or relax their hair, but they've dispelled that rumor. And so as of now, when it comes to fibroids specifically, they have no idea what causes it. You know what I think it is? What? Birth control pills. You do? I do. I honestly believe that it is birth control pills. Um, I'm going to tell a story. It's person. I'm trying not to put nobody's business out there. Um, Okay. No, tell it. Tell it. (laughs) A young lady... um, who I was dating um, didn't take birth control her entire life. Uh wasn't until she was 30 that she started mm-hmm. taking birth control. When she started taking birth control, that's when all of the uterus issues began and she developed fibroids. Hmm. Oh, wow. So that's what, I, I mean, I, I don't know it for a fact, but I know it's true. Right, right. Hmm. Yeah, I think that I know that um, most of the time, especially doctors, will they'll use birth control to treat a lot of different things and not necessarily just um, to not conceive. And so I do think um, right now Baylor College of Medicine is working on doing a um, fibroid study in Houston and they saying that the issue that they're having is not a lot of black people, black women are signing up to do these studies. Uh, you think? So <laughs> right. Which, you know, we can't blame them, but they're saying that is one of the number one issues is why they can't pinpoint what's going on is because they don't have the numbers for the studies. Man, I am so sick of these folks using fear and fear mongering and lying to our faces everything we they know about everything things just don't pop up just out of the right. blue something had right. to be designed you know genetically modified like they do everything else to you know continue to um do what what did bill gates call it population control right I mean, I, I completely agree with you because even like I said, whenever I first discovered and I started talking to my family about it and I realized everybody and my every aunt, every, you know, my mom, my grand, and my grandmothers both had it. Um, some were the reason they got hysterectomies and things like that. I was like, it's just so generational and so many people that have had to deal with this that we should be way further along um, in treatment than we are now. Yeah. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking to Brandy Neal. Uh, Brandy is raising awareness about PCOS, endometriosis, and fibroids with, uh, along with the uh, white dress 
project, and um, they're going to have um, taboo talk. Well, this is taboo talk. I mean, right now because we, you know, it's right. It's just so much. So, Brandy, can right. you tell us who? Tell us the difference between all three. The difference between PCOS, endometriosis, who I had read a few weeks ago that Monica had that uh, done, and fibroids. Oh, yeah. Are they all tied in together, or is each one its own diagnosis? Or uh, uh, Yeah, each, each one is its own diagnosis. Um, they say they're somewhat cousins, but... They're each its own diagnosis, um, especially PCOS, um, like their spore type. And like I said, PCOS affects 6 to 10% of women, um, making it the most common disorder. Um, but that has to really do a lot with like your levels, um, your hormone levels. And sometimes you might have cysts around your ovaries. So that's that. And then uterine fibroids, they can grow um, in the uterus, in the cavity. Um, I know I had one that my doctor said was kind of under the cavity. So that's, that's their own beast. And they're actually benign, like tumors that grow. And endometriosis is different in the, and it's actually four stages of endometriosis. But if you ever look at a picture of it, it looks kind of like spider webs and it can grow, it grows everywhere. Like when I had my surgery, my endometriosis had also spread to my appendix. Mm. So although it's the lining of the uterus that's spreading, it can spread outside of the uterus. So um, (laughs) with that, (laughs) Um, the opting of a hysterectomy, um, Mm -hmm. is is, that always necessary? No. And I think that is what is what I really want to get out there because I had, um, the unfortunate, uh, not even a pleasure to talk to a young woman who she was 24 and the doctor said she needed a hysterectomy and she got one. Yes. At 24? At 24 when she had so many other options. I mean, there are, um, I've had this procedure called a SESA procedure, which is um, where they go in kind of like radioactively and they shrink your fibroids, which I strongly suggest to women that are candidates for that. Um, Mm. There is myomectomy. They can do that laparoscopically. They can, you know, go in and cut you and do that. Hold on, Brandy. Uncle Funky just said something. What did did you say? Could could this be considered a form of castration? Say from castration. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but if you look at the rate that women are offered hysterectomies over other procedures that could save their uterus, then I mean, you would have to really make your own determination from that. Mm-hmm. This is just, I, I, you know, I'm outdone. I'm sitting over here outdone. Right. Like literally, well, but that's what we're providing information, right? So. Yeah, and that's and if your doctor tells you, "Hey, you need a hysterectomy," you say, "Okay, I'm getting a second opinion." And I just I really, really um, encourage if you can't have a conversation with your doctor, if you can't talk about family planning with your doctor, then that's not the doctor for you. Like Indeed. as much as women, we take time to pick our lash tech, nail tech hair, stylist, we need to take as much time to put in to finding our doctors. Yeah, preferably a melanated one. 
Yeah, that that knows exactly. And there's so many amazing doctors here in Houston. Mm -hmm. And um, you just really have to, and even if you're going back and forth with your insurance, if you find a doctor, like, you know, take the time to go the extra mile because that it really is a life or death situation when you think about it. Indeed. Um, the low funding to women's health care here in Texas. Um, oh, good. That's a whole nother topic. That's a, that's a whole nother, yeah, because we only got four minutes left. <laughs> Um, but we could talk about it for, for a little bit. I mean, it's an atrocity. Like if I was to really go in like how I want to go in, um, mm -hmm. a lot of people would probably be like, what is this man talking about? But I bet in turn they would turn around and do their own research. But I'm not going to right. go there this morning. Um, right. But, but, but go ahead and talk about it a little bit. No, it, it is true. And that's what it's like. If you think about it, like even when erectile dysfunction was first, like a big thing, they put millions and millions of dollars to coming up with Viagra and other medications like that. You have women that literally cannot leave the house, can't do anything for seven days while they're on their menstrual cycle. Or women like me, who at one point I bled for three months straight mm. and had to have um, iron and blood infusions every other month, but we still have no answer. So it's just like when it comes to women's health, especially in Texas, especially with what they're trying to do with Planned Parenthood and not give women who, you know, might not have insurance the resources to go to and connect for, it's, it's very, very, very upsetting. Yeah. Unfortunately, my love, it is all by design. <laughs> that we, is the very unfortunate part. I mean, and. But there's hope. We can have conversation there. There's um, always hope, man. There, Let's not leave it yeah. down because there is hope. There's hope. You just have to do your work. I, I guess I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm, 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 I'm upset. I I'm got, upset. I can, I, I'm angry now. That. You know what I mean? But we, women need to keep hope, excuse me, Jesse, hope alive. And I understand <laughs> you being upset. That's, that's part of your nature. That's good. And we, we advocate that. We love that you're bothered by this. But we still have to make sure our sisters do their due diligence, take this mm -hmm. information that uh, uh, Brand has provided, and 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 take care of their bodies. Right. Yes. Taboo talk. This is why it's important. It is important, man. Where do we right. need to go to get more? We love no, you, KG. Okay, we love you, KG. No, no, no. We no. love I, you. I, I know you do, and I love y'all. That's why I'm so passionate <laughs> about everything. Brandon, where can women go for more info? Just to something um, to help yes on instagram on instagram um white dress project is we can wear white our um or you can go to whitedressproject.org um i also speak a lot about it on my instagram page i know people are probably sick of it but on instagram my name is bm neil and just get engaged. I mean, there's all types of TikToks about it. Um, we post a lot of doctors that are, are willing to DM you and talk to you a lot about um, what's going on with your body, even if you can't get in and see an appointment. Social media has given us a leg up to be able to really put it out there. So I just, you know, I know it sometimes can be shameful. The topics are very taboo, but just get on social media and research the hashtags. Indeed. And I want you to do a little something, too. Um, okay. Re research Bill Gates and his family, his mother, mm -hmm. his father, and what 
they they're, they're a family of eugenists, and so research that and 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 go down that rabbit hole and and, and let me know <laughs> how okay. you feel when you when you when come I across finish. this. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, I definitely will. You know, I really appreciate you guys, especially being in for having me on and, you know, opening up the conversation, opening up the door for com- more conversations like this. No doubt. Thank you, Brandy. God bless you, my love, and thank you for the information. For everyone else okay. listening to the podcast, we will be right back after this. <laughs> <laughs> 